Testes? You need a New Year's testes? Testes, yeah. Uh-huh. Good one, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't get old. Happy New Year, and welcome to another edition of the Beer Opinions Podcast. My name is Pat Berger of Kaiser Tiger and Patty Longs, and with me, as always, is Bruce White from the Chicago Beer Tours something. <laughs> Chicago Beer Experience. You got it. You're God close. You were there, it. right? You were right there. Chicago Beer Experience. Okay. <laughs> got it. Oh, man. Happy New Year. How's, Happy New Year. Yeah. Congratulations on your a recent engagement. We Thank talked you. about it on the Thank last you. podcast. She actually said yes. She did. She did. I'm not in Thailand. Um, I am here still. She said yes. And, uh, you know, enough beer, people will say anything, I think, is the moral of the so story. So that, that's what you did? You plied her with beer exactly. before the popping the question? It's a good idea. It's a, the only actually, way. That can backfire. <laughs> as long as she, she never sobers up, we're fine. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure she's working on that as we speak. Shout out to her. And uh, we, uh, we have a guest today. Um, we're uh, in the midst of uh, greatness, of a legend, of... Uh, 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 how do I uh, go down the list of accomplishments here? We have, he's a blogger, he's a podcaster. Most importantly, he's a publican at one of the greatest yep. bars on the planet, certainly the greatest 4 a.m. bar that I can speak yep. of. Published author. Yes, poli- and uh, an artist. Yep. An accomplished artist. Bruce Elliott of the Old Town Ale House. All right. The geriatric genius is in our midst. How are you, Bruce? I'm fine. And after that intro, uh, I'm even more in awe of myself than I was <laughs> when I walked in here. Which is saying something. <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> no lack of ego on Bruce. So No. Uh, well, welcome to Beer Opinions. I know we're going to sort of veer off of beer a little bit today mm-hmm. um, because Bruce, uh, you know, while he drinks beer... It's mostly Budweiser on ice. Well, I, I, I'd like to preface that by yes. saying I've been drinking beer since 1961 regularly. And um, back in those days, I wasn't really flush most of the time. And so I had to learn to develop a taste for really lousy, cheap beers, which I did. And because I remember the first time I went to London and they couldn't, they, you know, thought I was just they were very kind of uh, disparaging about my taste in beer, and I tried to explain to them that it was not easy to come by that. You, you worked at it. Yeah, oh, it took took a long because there's a <laughs> lot of really good beers, you know, and every once in a while you're exposed to it. Yeah, And yeah. you have to learn to be, oh, God, that's not that. It's not what I, it's not Bullfrog or, or Canadian Ace, that really nice term. <laughs> It's like flying private. You know, once you've done that, you can't go back to those commercial flights. So you're staying in the in the cheap seats. You're uh, you're making sure you don't get used to this new fangled craft beer, right? Well, I I can make those adjustments, but then uh, when I was eventually when I really hit my prime, I was drinking about fifteen mm-hmm. beers. I mean, uh, Miller High Life. I, I like Miller. I like all the American beers pretty much. Uh, I would never drink Coors because they were anti, you know, for political purposes. But uh, so I did. You didn't align up with Adolf? Uh, Adolf yeah. Coors? I, no. was, I, was, I was not about to do that. But I did. Um, so I, but then I was drinking about 15 beers a day. And then when, you, when your doctor asks you if you drink and you say, yeah, how often? <laughs> uh, d- daily. But how much? I drink about 15 beers. What? <laughs> but. <laughs> the um, I've never been honest with my doctor on that well, question. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a, why not? You know, what the hell? I mean, if they see those capillaries blowing out of your, you know, you're exploding on your nose, they know that probably you're not telling the truth about your drinking. Yeah, that's true. But I, yeah. you know, I but, always say but, three to four. I just don't ever say how big they are. Uh, well, it's, I mean, the, the doctor probably notices when I just start sweating profusely at that question. The doctor notices when I have an actual beer in my hand yeah. in the waiting room. He's <laughs> like, well, this guy might have a problem. But, but I am not a beer snob, let me put it that way. Yeah. And, I, and I do, I appreciate all these new craft beers. Um, but I knew I could drink those 15 buds and not get drunk. I mean, I could drive home okay. 
If I had that 60th one, maybe not. So, but with these Disclaimer, crabs, we're not suggesting you drink 15 buds and drive home. Well, not unless you're me. Yeah. Unless you're the geriatric you know, if genius. You have, if you're exceptional, if you're a genius. Yeah. Some of us have superpowers. Bruce's is uh, drinking 15 buds. I, no, although, I, no, I can't anymore. You can't anymore. I have a very esoteric uh, autoimmune thing called myasthenia gravis, which I'm not supposed to drink at all, but I made an adjustment. I drink about three or four Polish martinis a day instead of uh, instead of beer. I and, mean, instead of my regular beer. And the Polish martini is the uh, the the Budweiser, Budweiser over, ice. over ice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's <laughs> for you beer snobs. I'm afraid to ask why it's called Polish well, or martini. It just makes sense, doesn't it's, it? No, I have to give credit <laughs> to the bartender at the Old Town Alehouse, Johnny Ale, who's. Amazingly, uh, I don't know what the odds of of hiring a bartender at the Old Town Ale House name with the last name of Ale. <laughs> I don't. He actually has a real last name, it's but like I Vonda Kaufman. It's or something, something long. I've never bothered to learn it. He's Johnny well, Ale hard. to us because there, you know, and there was a Johnny, you know, back in the day when I worked at Corcoran's around the corner from the Old Town Ale House, uh, we had Johnny Irish. And, uh, you know, since there were two, two Johnnies, he became Johnny Ale. There was Johnny Irish and Johnny Ale. Uh, and uh, he's still Johnny Ale to this day. He didn't like it at first, but he's, he's grown into it. Oh, he has, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He'll answer to it now. Yeah. But um, and Johnny Irish is long gone. He should just probably be Johnny now, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, the best nickname stick. Yeah. Uh, and a, uh, a legendary bartender, Johnny Ale. Shout out oh, to definitely. him. Yes. And he is a mathematician. He is. He's got his uh, 12th degree. He is, uh, and he's going to be been... teaching at uh, junior college this coming semester, I think. Oh, my God. Can you imagine walking into your first junior college class, and there's Johnny Ale trying to teach him math? <laughs> I'm sure in Chicago they've seen far more frightening things than Johnny Ale. <laughs> That's probably true. That's probably true. Which, yeah. Do you know which junior college? No, we shouldn't say. Well, it. probably not say that. Yeah, we probably better not say that. <laughs> but if you have Doctor Ale at your uh, at your, <laughs> your, your math teacher, yeah. know that he can sling a drink. Yeah. I uh, I used to serve him as an underaged young man. He was he, started he, out in the neighborhood yes, real young. He confessed to me that he was not <laughs> twenty one when I met him at Corcoran's. He uh -huh. was. Uh, Sub 21. I guess my carding was not too strict at two in the morning. But, um, <laughs> well, he you know. started out, uh, I think he worked at Second City too, uh, doing bartending, bar something like I think he was a bartender. He was. He started out Second City. That's and, not uh, But when he came, the woman that owned the bar prior to my ex wife and me. That noise. Sorry, we have some background noise. Is that going an airplane on? crashing into the building? <laughs> oh, I. I there might be some work being done on the roof here at Kaiser Tiger. We but, hope, uh, we hope you know, we hope it's there is benign. a roofer up there. Um, oh, there is a roofer up there? There is a roofer up there. Oh, okay. So my apologies, but it is well, what it is. When we do podcasts at the Ale House, uh, by the way, that's called as the Ale House Turns. Oh, yes. yes. Um, we have background bar noise, which can get very ra raucous. So I'm used to uh, distracting noises. Yeah, yeah, the raucous background bar noise is much better than what we're hearing now, but, you know, we will soldier on. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're pros. Talking about the Old Town Ale House, let's get a little history of it. Um, and, the you know, I'd like to get into the story of how you ended up as the proprietor because it is, well, it's the, interesting. You're an Irishman, so you should appreciate this more than your average uh, listener. Uh, I am an Irishman's absolute dream that if you drink if you drink at a bar long enough they'll eventually give it to you <laughs> and uh it's something for you to shoot for now <laughs> you're gonna have to put those 50 years in but there's a there's a gold lining there it can happen it can happen look at me yeah yeah living proof yep um so when i first started going to the old town ale house it was uh owned by uh, a man named arthur arthur and b yes it's Arthur and B, um, and to be honest, I never, never met them because oh, I only really? went in at three in the morning. Oh, you missed uh, Arthur was is a oh. he's a legend, right? Oh yeah, yeah and what a, and talk about a guy that 
did drinking drank beer. He, in fact, I think they did a reader. Larry Rand did a reader, a feature reader article about Arthur, and Arthur because he 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 was a bartender at the university club, one of those uh, private clubs downtown, uh-huh. and he described all the people he felt he uh, personally murdered over the years by serving them, <laughs> and uh, it was very, it was a slow murder. It was a slow murder, and he got to enjoy it and watch, you know. But uh, and then he worked at another really kind of legendary bar called Figaro's. It was just off Rush Street, and um, so it was a it was a hipster bar, and lots of drug drug dealers. And but you know, Rush Street type hip when the, when the old Rush Street nightclub district was really rock and roll because you'd see Lenny Bruce come in. Lenny loved Arthur. Arthur just cracked him up. So this is the early '60s. Oh, this would have been late '50s. Yeah, probably. I, yeah, I think certainly in the early '60s, Arthur was at Figaro's. Okay. And uh, lots of other. And so, uh, what happened? The guy that the old town Alice was found in 1958 by a guy named E.J. Van Gelder, and um, E.J. built the bar. He was. He... Sorry, hold on one second. I'm going to have the roofer stop for a second. Why don't we hit pause real quick? All right, we're back. Hopefully, the roofer is taking a break, <laughs> and we're going to continue on with the history of the Old Town Ale House here. I think we were well, all right, we got talking about Arthur. E.J. Van Gelder stole the idea of the Ale House from a place called Vesuvio's in San Francisco on North Beach, which I had gone to back in, back in the late 50s. Uh, when I, before before I was actually 21, that was I went out to join the Beach Generation, and it's a great it's a, right next to City Lights Bookstore, which Ferlinghetti owns, famous uh, San Francisco beatnik poet. There's this great bookstore, but right next door was um, this bar of Vesuvio's. So our, uh, this was Van Gelder. Now Van Gelder was a really kind of brilliant guy at building bars, hiring bartenders, but he was really one of the most Disgusting, vile, loathsome human beings I've ever known, <laughs> and he was and not to, not that well, well, he was a cheapskate too. Well, now you say steal the idea. What was the idea of the L House? Um, it was uh, well, they played mostly jazz. Now the, the Vesuvios, I think, was mostly hipster jazz stuff. I, I don't know what I it. Uh, I really didn't know that much about bars in those days. Why it would why that would be such a unique bar. But the Ale House was truly unique because it um, played only classical music off of uh, uh, Hi-Fi, uh, Wi-Fi, what, what, uh, hi, Hi-Fi? Hi-Fi? Uh, yeah, the old-fashioned records, uh, 78s, or, uh, God, I'm, I'm 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 so old now I can't even remember. But <laughs> I'm so young I don't know what the technology yeah, was. Yeah, well anyway, but. it was nothing. It was a record player. No, yeah. no jukebox, no on uh no TV and um And that's where the idea of the jukebox at Old Town came from? The- well, it went, there was an evolution because um the only time they played anything other than classical music at the original Ale House was um when uh, on fri- uh, Fridays or Saturdays you could bring your own records of musicals. That was the only... Uh, <laughs> so it was either classical music or musicals? And, and that was just one night a week. It was all strictly classical. And then, but Van Gelder, um, and he, the good thing about him was he would go to Mexico for six months every year. So the, everything was great because great bartenders, great bar. And great people, fascinating people. I mean, for a kid to come in there and all these older, you know, really interesting, older, a lot of really mean, vicious, witty people that I, I impressed me so much that I adopted a lot of their material. Explains a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My early upbringing, definitely. So you grew up in Old Town? Well, I got there in 61. Okay. I, I grew up in a t- town called Downers Grove, which I refer to as Uppers Grove. <laughs> And uh, they, no town ever deserved a horrible kid more than they did deserve me. <laughs> that I have the I have great consolation growing up there. That no, I, that boy, that I I gave them everything they got me gave me, you know, in, in spades. I believe that. Well, so you got down to Old Town in the my girlfriend early got 60s. It, my girlfriend uh, rented a, a cheap. In those days, I think it was like 55 bucks a month, a little two-bedroom 
uh, uh, frame placed <laughs> right down the street from the alehouse. So now, I just started, hey, that's kind of a cool place. I'll start hanging around. Well, I hung around, hung around. What was the old town like back back then? Well, that it was before they widened North Avenue. You could live down there for nothing. I mean, yeah. 50, I remember the first time we ever had to pay a hundred bucks for a um, an apartment. I couldn't believe it. What hundred bucks a month? A beer at the Ale House was a quarter. It was there was. Uh, you still had all the, the second city was just starting out and all those great characters early second city were hanging around there. Jazz, a lot of jazz musicians went to hang out. Um, there was, you know, your beginning <laughs> drug culture going on, but the, but the side of North Avenue, they eventually tore down had a bunch of little old German bars and resale. There was a <laughs> old movie theater, um, but you could live there so so cheap, and then racially the neighborhoods started changing, and they basically they, they wind North Avenue, and then they built this kind of wall that has become Second City now, and there's mm-hmm. a health club, and all, which was all racially geared to keep you know um, undesirables. But I remember there was people, a lot of Italians, tough Italians, and um, the Farinas. Uh, what's it? Dennis Farina was the guy just. Died right the, the actor, actor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, his brother was like the toughest guy in the neighborhood. The guy named Roland Farina. Great, <laughs> he was a bartender, but his sister was almost as tough as him, Bernadette. I knew her pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd seen her, and he, he became a cop for uh, before well, he became uh, an Dennis, actor. Right? Farina was yeah. until I barely, yeah. But he was just a he was just kind of a, one of the little asshole kids running around the neighborhood when I first got there. <laughs> yeah, and. Um, so it was very, very colorful. I mean, we, you had all the hipsters moving in, but then you had the old, you know, tough, uh, tough Italians. And um, were you there for the Democratic oh, riots? Oh, I, I moved to Berkeley in nineteen. I had to kind of my one of my great books, uh, Portrait of the Genius of a Young Man. I described the circumstances when I had to flee Chicago, but I did come back in '68 for the convention. Okay. And um, yeah, I write about that extensively in, um, um, let's see. You have uh, two novels, right? Oh, uh, California Jailbreak. That's my third novel. And I describe describe, uh, coming back in great detail for the convention. For those of you who want to get that story in detail, how, how do they purchase your book? Uh, they Books. can purchase it uh, on Amazon, or you can purchase it in person at the Old Town Ale House. I suggest in person. Yeah. yeah. Autograph copy? Uh, I certainly can handle that. <laughs> I, I, the reason, uh, yeah, oh, they're great books. They're marvelous. They are. They uh, chronicle the life of the genius and his um, pursuit to never work. Well, and also the, uh, what, you know, it's interesting. When I went back to my high, Upper's Grove 50th anniversary, all the Kids, I knew hardly kids after fifty <laughs> years, but um, they were all talking about retiring, and I, I announced that I was seriously thinking about maybe joining the workforce. <laughs> I, I had uh, been the first kid upon graduating from Upper Grove High School. I announced my retirement the night we graduated, and um, I pretty much held true to that. Uh, <laughs> I just wasn't cut off for work. <laughs> Well, knowing's half the battle. Let's talk a little bit about Second City, because I think Second City's history is entwined with the Old Town Ale House, and uh, certainly all those classic characters from Second City uh, have have uh, uh, been in the door of the Old Town, right? Yes, they have. I mean, I only, um, I, Tina Fey wanted to know why her portrait wasn't up on the wall, and I said, because you didn't hang out here. You know, if you just came in once or twice, that was not going to. That wasn't enough, right? No, that wasn't enough. But so the people, we do have kind of a, a, a gallery of the famous people that actually hung around the Old Town Ale House, from, most from Second City, although some other actors like Michael Shannon, people like that. Um, but uh, we've had a really tight a tight connection with, I mean, the proximity. Although when I first moved into the neighborhood, they they're Second City was over by Wisconsin Street, about a good four blocks away. But Peter Boyle and those guys would still come over. Yeah. And um, 
it, it was really great saying, I mean, I predicted that Severin Darden would be the biggest thing to ever come out. I mean, the guy was amazing, and, but Alan Arkin became much bigger than him and Barbara Harris. And so um, it's funny, there's nobody over Second City now that goes back as far as the, those very early. So when their kid's writing a paper, because they turned this thing into a money-making school, they oh, got right, yeah. thousands of students over there. They got my money last summer. I <coughs> well, sent sent my oldest over to uh, a camp there. Yeah, well, they've got a hell of a thing going on. So if some kid's writing something about the original, I mean, they'll send them over to interview me. I mean, occasionally, once or twice a year, I get one of these where they want to go, you know, what was Barbara Harris really like and this and that. So uh, we still have a connection. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the Old Town Ale House is really the last bastion of old old town. <laughs> I guess that's redundant. But, you know, even when I started bartending well, I at... Think Twin uh, Anchors. Twin Anchors. Twin probably, Anchors, probably yeah. Twin Anchors has not changed. You're right. Yeah. But I can't think of any. I mean, when I started bartending there in 99 or 2000, whenever it was, there were still some old classic bars or, you know... Yeah. Uh, uh, the, well, the O'Rourke's was not nearly as old as us, but no, that was a yeah. Sunday classic. And O'Rourke's the was still Club, there on Halstead. The Salad Club was also another one. Yeah, yeah. Old blue collar. The Golden Dragon was still oh, that there. Was, what a great place to go. We missed that one. Yeah, that was an awesome joint. Yeah, I think, and Marge's is still there, in, but only in name. It's nothing. Yeah. The original Marge's was something. It was really a It's, dump. A, it's <laughs> and, a lot and she, nicer. Now. And she, she lived upstairs. Did she come down? <laughs> she come down in the morning in her bathrobe smoking a cigarette and up the bartender had his back to you know wasn't paying attention i've been in there a couple of times she just picked up an ashtray and fired at him <laughs> <laughs> oh she was she was a tough old broad yeah she that it's still there but uh completely revamped oh, yeah. and, and much nicer it's than it used to be recognizable for what it was yeah, I mean, they're all, you know, they cleaned out all the peep shows. It was kind of a red light district a little bit, It was too. for a while because it caught on. I mean, originally, you could just, there was not even a parking meter on Well Street. You could just park. Yeah. And then, of course, it took, it got publicity and, and it, places were packed. And so they turned it into a real, well, that's when Van Gelder thought that the bar, the neighbor was going straight downhill when they did that. And, uh so he sold the bar to this real, really moronic guy named Joe Diaz. And Van Gelder anticipated that all the action was moving over to Lincoln Avenue. So he opened, um, what the hell was the name of, uh, the, oh, you know it. Four Farthings? No, no, it wasn't Four Farthings. It was, um, oh, Christ, I can't, it'll come to me. But but um, it's no longer in existence. Oh, okay. Um so he got out. In oh, wait, day. was it Sturgis? No, no. Sturgis no. was great. Sturgis. <laughs> yeah, Sturgis was a great old. It was. I mean, if you, especially if you like putting stuff up your nose. But no, it was really, <laughs> it was really a cool place. I, I, I like Bob Spurge, and uh, I still know a lot of people from, from those days. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's gone, too. Yeah. Well, recently. Bob, Bob did not remember to pay you know, liquor licenses, his mind started wandering. Yeah, yeah. sometimes those things can slip your mind. It can happen. Yes. Um, so this guy, Diaz, almost destroyed the alehouse. I mean, it was, he got rid of the good bar. And, I mean, it was just, a, that's when Arthur and the five or six other alcoholic friends of his from uh, Figaro's came over and bought the uh, alehouse from, uh, from Joe Diaz. What year would that have been, do you know? I think that would have been about 1979 or okay. six, eight yeah. or something like that. I'm terrible with these numbers. And um, so no sooner they buy it. And these guys, I mean, this was a group of, you can't believe these guys could, you know, do anything, in, you know, correctly or normal. I mean, <laughs> they, just one fuck up after yeah. another. <clears throat> well, as, it, as, as luck would have it, the place catches fire. And so amazingly, now this is really amazing because there was a butcher shop named Pete's Butcher Shop right across the side street wheeling. And so they just, 30 drunks got to, lifted up that bar, carried it right out and blocked off North Avenue and marched it right into the doorway of uh, Pete's Butcher Shop and they barely missed a beat. Then they turned it into a four o'clock. 
Now, of course, that changed the, the, you know, the character of the place dramatically. But they always kept the jazz thing and, um, you know, that kind of hipster yeah, yeah. element. Like what year was the was the mural drawn? That in was Old right Tom? about 81. That was by a woman named Maureen Munson. Okay. Who she and last heard was in that was last heard maybe thirty four years ago in the Nut House, but she was very quite talented commercial artist and she um, would bring only people she liked and she would pose right. I could never get people to pose for my stuff to use photographs, but she would get them to pose and she'd paint them directly on the wall, and a lot of them remarkably. Uh, good renditions too yeah for for those listening there is a giant mural in the uh old town alehouse of old regulars and that kind of spurred on um that was continued by you bruce when you well when my my ex-wife and i got the bar and I ordered the bar uh she thought it would be a good idea now i couldn't infringe on them i've done a little infringing on the mural but um she suggested I just do portraits of the regulars. And, of course, the first couple I did, uh, they were probably too large because I realized, well, hell, i got to get way more people up so I don't make them smaller. <laughs> right. And um, so it, it, it depending. Now, when people displease me, they go down. Um, <laughs> yes, there is know, a hier- hierarchy. There's a hierarchy, and, you know, you got to... Terry was recently afraid that he had been taken down, but then we oh, found no, him. We, we would never do that. No, no. we found him, and in, I think in a better spot. He's uh, yeah, he's, he's right in the yeah. the Pollock corner over there. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think in a better spot than he used to be. Chris has been upgraded, my business partner. Definitely way upgraded. Way upgraded. He is now above the thermostat. <laughs> Uh, well, at the then, end of the bar, well, and we have to determine where to put you. Then we have to. Uh, well, there's no picture of me. No, with that I just came to buy a light bulb just went off oh, of my head. Oh, might be uh, all right. I, I think I may have to be a little. I might. I just jumped back with my easel went through my <laughs> latest golden showers painting, so I really have no excuse. Uh, yes, we should talk about that. I, I never made it up on the wall because I was a after. Hours regular, I would come in at three. Yeah, and I, if I wasn't familiar with you, you know, no, yeah, you you were, yeah. So you, I was, you, I was working. Unlike Chris, my business partner, I was no, working. He, he was definitely a barfly. from, yes. from the very beginning. Yes, absolutely. Um, but <laughs> you have put you put the easel down for a while, but now you are back, which I I uh, got a preview of it on. I don't even know what I posted about something on Facebook, but. Uh, Bruce simply commented with a uh, rendition of his new picture, which is called uh, Golden Showers. Golden Showers. You'd be so, you'd be, I, I basically put, I don't even know how many friends and stuff I have. I get suspended <laughs> a lot from Facebook. But um, every time I'd see, I didn't recognize a lot of it. I just comment on anything. Like, yeah. congratulations <laughs> on the marriage of my daughter. And I put, I post the stormy picture. And uh, people, do you feel that's appropriate, Bruce? I said, yeah, I feel it's appropriate. <laughs> it's like a hello from Bruce, a yeah. picture of Stormy Daniels peeing on our president. With 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 the controversial part, well, I don't show the stream, but the controversial part, of course, is Melania holding little baby Baron, observing this. This is true. Yeah, I didn't I've notice gotten, that. I've got a little feedback on little Baron. People don't like you making fun of uh, uh, Baron, is that, or, or they think, just don't they like. Feel it's inappropriate, which pretty much sums me up. Right, right. Yeah, little do they know. This yeah. is Bruce. We're talking about. I get a lot more inappropriate than that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was going to say the first time I remember. Here, the the real national news was the Palin, Sarah Palin oh, drawing. Well, that, uh, we, we, we yeah. hit the jackpot on that one. Yeah, yeah. That was actually the first political one I ever did. That was the first time I also remember you referring to yourself as the genius. Oh, no. Well, see, I just got a lot more acclaim. Oh. I mean, I was referring to myself quite long before. Maybe that. that's just the first time I believed you were a genius. Well, <laughs> you know, sometimes it takes that. And I, it was that was the circumstances of that were kind of amusing because I watched like everybody else the uh, Republican convention in two thousand eight, and um, it, all of a sudden this woman this 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 hick woman from uh, Alaska appears with these harlot red high heel shoes and uh, swinging her ass around and they, and they talk McCain poor 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 pathetic McCain into. Um, <laughs> 
mate while pointing her at his running mate. And I thought, my God. And they sexualize her right there, and the Republicans did. So I um, went down. And that In those days, my studio was in the basement of the Yale House. So I went down. I was down there for about six days, working furiously. I went over to the zoo, and I sketched uh, polar bear. And um, I got, you know, pictures. I had to get... <laughs> It, it, when it, when the shit hit the fan and all the TV cameras came in, we got death threats, we got everything. When when I posted the picture, I posted the picture on a Thursday evening. And it, yeah, for the listeners, the picture in question, the painting is a nude of Sarah Palin uh, full standing, fr- full frontal, full frontal nude. Yes, there's nothing left to the imagination, and she is on a polar bear rug. Right. Holding uh, an M16, I believe. Well, I'm kind of made a little fancier assault weapon. Oh, okay. And looking uh, as she, and looking out on the, uh, some people like to think it's Russia, but it's really just the Alaskan landscape with a uh, an elk or moose or something in the lake. Yeah, yeah. Well, it I, I, it was well, it was a beautifully done picture, but I didn't. <laughs> um, I put it on the wall, and the kids from Second City came in and they. Uh, took pictures uh, now th- and then I knew nothing about the internet it was zero right and I put it on and then the net following morning when I came in to open the bar like eight eight nine in the morning um I got a call from Paris some I could barely understand the first so I put somebody else on the phone and um, they wanted permission to put the picture in this Paris paper a Parisian paper I so I said well how do you know about this oh it's all over Europe I, I what? <laughs> and that's when the TV camera, the Tribune, and the Sun Times. Apparently, I got more. The, when the Tribune had the really clever guy, a photographer came in and he ran, he stacked books in such a way you could not see the most offensive naked parts of, of Sarah. Right. <laughs> I remember that. So they, yeah. so, so they put it on the their website or something, and we, we broke some kind of the, the yearly record, got more hits. So. When I, uh, well, anyway, when I got, I love dealing with the shock jocks because they were calling and basically they were all right wing stuff and they were attacking me. Well, once I figured it took two or three calls before I could spot that this is going to be a hostile call. Yeah. So I attacked them before, you know, because what they do is they call me names and then hang up. So I didn't really get a chance to go after their mamas, you know, and stuff, <laughs> but the stuff I like to do. In fact, one, one of them, it was like Billy and, and Leif from, from Mississippi, and they called me, you and me, Lola. I said, you know, gentlemen, I didn't go to NAM and get my left arm blown off to lose my First Amendment, um, you know, rights. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, we didn't know you was a vet. You know, uh, yeah, well, I am, and I'm very proud of it. Now, so about 10 minutes later, some <laughs> Yahoo comes flying in the park. Apparently he listened on the Internet to this shit, and he's... Uh, you got your left arm? I said, are you, it was stolen valor, Bruce. I said, are you attacking my character? Is that what you would do? But to up the ante, after a couple of days of this, somebody asked me who my model was. I said, my daughter. I said, I used my daughter, my daughter for... Uh, for Sarah, oh, and that, oh God, that's a, now I got on Pederus West uh, website and stuff like that. Right, like, right, yeah. That was, it was, I loved it. I mean, it was great, but we did get a lot of death threats. <laughs> <laughs> there are always empty death threats from the from those people. Well, but. I thought that was a one in a million, and then I when Blagojevich got into his little trouble, our governor. This is my favorite painting by you. Well, thank you. I'll give you a poster. Yeah, the Blagojevich it's, painting yeah. is. Um, Sort of a preview of maybe what he could expect in his uh, jail sentence. <laughs> I think but it, I, it was pressing. I love it because it is regulars' uh, faces on the jail guards. And, and inmates. Yes, and and the fellow inmates. <laughs> and I, is it... Uh, is it's, Ru- ca- it's called Cavity Search. <laughs> it's called Cavity Search. And I, and the look on Ruben's face, I think, might be my yeah, favorite. He's putting on the latex he's, glove. Yes, he's, he's strapping on the latex glove <laughs> and looking very gleeful. There, uh, there's a guy that has a collectible store named Ronnie Holloway that comes to the bar. And he, the night before Blagojevich was going bye-bye, he was signing autographs. He was signing autographs outside of his Ravenswood uh, house. 
Ronnie goes over with uh, one of my posters that oh. I had done of this and gets him to sign the thing. Yeah, of mean, course he would. He's, I mean, he has no shame. He's an amazing guy. Yeah. Zero shame. Yeah. But that, the one thing, but once again, all of a sudden that went viral. And the only difference was this time no death threats for Blago. Nobody. No, no one cared. <laughs> so they, they cared, but they didn't care that he was going to be going. Certainly to down south they didn't. They were like, oh, yeah. yeah. I hope that no, Democrat it, gets molested in jail. No, no. Nobody, nobody really minded. No, no. So to me, this is the start of, of like the second coming of the Ale House because, you know, um, suddenly you guys are on the TV. You're, uh, when does the blog start? Did it start around that time or before that? Uh, well, no, the blog started, let's see. Yeah, it started after, right about a little after 2008, I think. That was right when Roger Ebert kept uh, Getting him trying to get my daughter to persuade her to get make me because I could I didn't know how to work a computer or anything so yeah so R- she Robert had to Eber, do everything. Roger was one of your best friends. Well, he yeah. was a very good friend. Yeah, very a good friend. old bar friend that continued long after he quit uh, bars. Right, and he uh, kind of said, "Hey, you should write a blog," and you were like, "What's a blog?" I had no idea, but he kept my, my daughter uh, and my ex wife were very computer savvy people. So he, I, I, it didn't appeal to me at first. And then, but he was, it turned out quite well because he said, uh, believe me, you do start doing this, you do it every day. Just write. And, and I would say, well, what if I don't have anything to talk about? He said, just write the first sentence. I mean, he gave me a little, and then he would critique some of the blog, early blogs, and say, no, that was really, you know, it was very constructive. It was really useful criticism. And um, and most importantly, he would occasionally tweet it out. Well, when he would plug me, I remember one time I got sixty thousand hits. Wow! From I didn't realize that he was getting. He was as far as intellectual, cultural stuff. He was getting two and a half million hits a day. You know, this he couldn't talk. This was his way of communicating. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, he could. You know, he wasn't that mobile or anything. So he was doing that, and it was amazing. I mean, so then. Um, of uh, all, well, was had a chance would have it. Anthony Bourdain was a big fan of Roger. He's a huge movie fan. Bourdain is, and he so he calls up my my daughter's on the phone. It says her eyes are popping out. And it's Anthony Bourdain wants to talk to me. Um, he just calls out of the blue, huh? I, well, he called my daughter first to say that he wanted to talk to me. Okay, and so the so my daughter said, "Well, do you know who he is?" I says, "He's an actor." I didn't know, <laughs> yeah. but believe me, my, my ex-wife was a, a fairly prominent chef in New York for a while, and she knew well knew who Anthony Bourdain. And ironically, he tried to get a job where she was working at the French place, La, La Colombe Nord. <laughs> but uh, so I, I did. I, you know, I looked on the internet who this guy is, and he's written these books. Turns out, I mean, the guy's an excellent writer. He really was, and. Um, but he had a book line, and so he wanted to, to convert my uh, blog into a book, and that went on for almost like two. You know, it was like I had no idea what I'm doing. I mean, this is, you know, I had he wanted me to have his agent, one top agent in New York, and he he said she's the best, and um, the money was <laughs> very interesting, <laughs> and. and so everything was going along beautifully. I was also, the book was finally done. I was going to go to New York and go on a publicity tour with him for uh, about a week. And then I was going to go out. They were going to send me out to the West Coast, I think, with some woman. And they had all set up. And they already, they figured I couldn't go on their regular friendly shows. They had to put me on hostile shows. And poor day ensured that I would thrive in hostile environments. Yeah, I don't see you on Good Morning America. <laughs> no, they, they weren't going to use me on that stuff. And uh, so everything was cool. And then I get the agent calls and says, Bruce, we have a little problem here. And the problem is um, the lawyers need to talk to you at HarperCollins because Echo Press is a subsidiary of HarperCollins. So I... I, I I thought that, uh, you know, well, I'd, I'd clear it with the agent. I said, well, you know, can I still use my uh, 
blog name, you know, nicknames and stuff. Oh, yeah, sure, just nicknames, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, this nasty little bitch calls me up uh, and who's a lawyer, a lawyer at HarperCollins, and she, what a horrible little, I think her name was Trina, something like that. <laughs> and uh, she, with her voice, you know, she hated me. She hated the book. Uh-huh. She hated everything that I stood for. And she says, well, in a perfect world, all your characters would be either dead or side releases. I said, well, a lot of them are dead, and um, I'm sure they'll all give me releases. Well, she was so annoying. I kind of used a lot of abusive language in the course of our, our, our interview. <laughs> and um, so Bourdain kind of gets hysterically. He calls me up. And she says, what the hell did you say to these people? I mean, they just, that was the most libelous, defamatory thing that's ever come across. And they've, to his knowledge, or the Echo Press guy, they never can't pull the plug in a book before. They said, oh, no. There's no way we're going to give you uh, permission. So ultimately, I self-published. Gotcha. I got to keep my money. <laughs> you did. Well, yeah. that's. But so I didn't well, think Anthony and I would be too patly wally after that. But then he came back and did a whole show. Yeah, he did two shows really on the. Well, old he town. did the first one before the the the, the before the book. The, okay. The layover, and then he went to CNN. The parts unknown show. Yeah. 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 Which was truly that episode is all about the old time aliens yes, and the genius, and I, I like to say that was the first time he ever played the part of the sidekick on his show. <laughs> and your guys' friendship really was real. It was uh, well, we went up. We were, it was the yeah, but we, yes, yeah, we 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 developed over five or six year time. It was a and we he talked to me a lot. We communicated a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and um, he even called you to tell you to lay off of his yes, girlfriend. Yes, huh? yes, Asia, Just re- really, truly awful creature. That I and when I saw that TV show, oh God, God. the one that she's in with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh my God, I mean, you just smell the odors coming out of her vagina over the TV <laughs> screen. It was so loathsome, woman. Ugh. <laughs> I did. Well, I did I, a por- I did a portrait of her cutting Harvey Weinstein's throat. Yeah, yeah. So with Rose I, McGowan in the background. Yeah, which was kind of an empowering thing. But yeah, you hate they, her. That was before you. Uh, they liked it. I, 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 see, that's what he he called me up eventually. He said, "Bruce, quit making fun of Aja and Rose because I would say, oh, you're my hero.' I would do this on the internet." Oh, you're my hero. Lead us. You're so you're the bravest. You're so heroic. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. And they would they would buy it. And then I, I did the picture. And uh, <laughs> so Bourdain got involved on that on Twitter. And uh, he says, obviously, uh, I think the name there's an Italian, only Italian Renaissance woman famous is somebody called, I think I believe it's pronounced Gentilici, something like that. Um because she she had every reason to cut men's throats, and there's some uh, really those classic, beautifully done paintings. Uh, but I said no, it was Caravaggio. So he says, I don't think so. I says, I really think you know it's more in the. So we get in this ar- <laughs> this <laughs> argument: who I'm more influenced by, but Gentilici or Caravaggio about the throat cutting? But in the meantime, that kind of went viral too. It did, um, and certainly your. Reti- I I do remember r- right after Anthony died. You know, a lot of us were going to the o- the old town in the days after he. Uh, uh, I don't think died. he had a clue how people. I know he knew he was a celebrity. He knew all that. I don't think he had a clue how 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 emotionally involved people were with him because after he died, it was like if he came to the house, it was like he could connect with other. People and we're still getting that. I mean, it's just really a shame. I knew that he was not real happy guy the last time I saw him at the Lily Pond over at uh, behind Lincoln Park Zoo, and I asked him. I said because uh, we'd spent the whole week together doing the show, Mm -hmm. and I knew how hard he worked. You know, it's really a pain in the ass doing one of those shows. Yeah, it's terrible. A lot of time and effort goes into that. And he was said he was just going to take off for New York, 
um, spent a couple of days with his wife and kid, and then he was flying out to Montana. I think Montana to see Jim Harrison, the writer. And um, I said, "What the?" I said, "You know, we they want to do us a final shot where you walk around the lily pond." So I said, "Yeah, sure." So we went halfway around. And I said, "Just two of us." I said, um, "You know, everybody I know wants to be you." I said, "I don't." I said, "I, I said you're, you're leaving here." She says, "Hey, yeah, I'm going." Uh, 255 days a year I'm flying going here they're going there I said I wouldn't want to do that I said sure do a little traveling you know I, I like food I like going places but this is obsessive I said what the hell are you running away from he looks at me right in the eye he says I don't know man I don't know and then I could see you know the guy something was really wrong with, with him you know he was yeah. not a happy camper with right. all the success and uh, but I didn't I certainly wouldn't have predicted it would have reached a point. It no, it was pretty shocking. And, yeah, uh, yeah he, I, you know, when I first read his uh, his first book, or, or at least the first book I read, The Kitchen Confidential. Well, that's his best, too. I mean, yeah. it spoke to me. Like, oh, that yeah. was my life yeah. growing up. That's yeah. what a lot of us in this business uh, experienced. Um, yeah. It was the most realistic portrayal of growing up in the restaurant business that I had ever read. And... Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I I don't think he did understand the effect that he had on on a oh, lot of people, and I'm the, sure, and the long lasting effect he's had on the restaurant business. Because I think a lot of people have gotten into this business because of shows like his, if if not directly his show, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so it's it's kind of transformed things, right? And and it kind of makes sense to to me as an, more of an outsider why he would be attracted to you because I think he there's an authenticity and with him there was an authenticity to what he did i don't know if if you agree or not but with you well, i, I can argue yeah. that it, uh, that that would be a attraction to me <laughs> <laughs> but, i'd hardly argue with that yeah. but uh yeah we had a very unusual i it, it was uh yeah well when my daughter who, who doesn't say flattering things about me uh <laughs> rarely if ever but somebody asked her what Bourdain was. Uh, they they asked her what Bourdain was like. He says, "Oh, she, he, he's like my father." So <laughs> that was, I don't know Uh-oh. quite how to take that. <laughs> yeah, but, right. Uh, yeah. I uh, we have the same roughly same sense of humor and uh, view of a view of life. Although towards the end we were arguing more. Yeah, I mean, you know, and uh, the. Uh, I've had to be on a few TV shows, you know, uh, because of these restaurants that I uh, own and all that. And um, I do always kind of think, you know, well, I, you know, I always thought in the back of my mind, like, just act like Bourdain, just act like Bourdain, you know, and be authentic, say what you feel and let it all, you know, uh, take care of itself. And, um, you know, to this day, there's no one on TV who's no, doing that. It's no. all such there's shit. No way, there's no way you can do that. I mean, these there's, food shows are terrible. Well, and they, everyone's trying to act like them, and that is, like, making them less authentic. Yeah, well, no. And I think there's just so much pressure to not be authentic. Yeah. There's so much pressure to say what people well, the, want you to say. It's either a smiling idiot or someone trying to be edgy and not pulling it yeah, off. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. when, when people ask me what he's like, I mean, they do all the time. I just said he's... He's just not a. I mean, how when you see him on TV, that's how he is, except uncensored, you know. Yeah. Off. yeah. But same. He's, he doesn't change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, and that really, to me, is why the old town has been able to survive. It's the last survivor of old town, and uh, the, your ability to make it relevant to uh, new generations that you know, uh, I don't even understand this new generation. I can't imagine. <laughs> Bruce, you have when, any idea what these kids want? Uh, I don't. Well, when when you see those hats turn backwards marching, I mean, you know, you're doing something. Now, the one thing good about music, the type of music, uh, Grasshopper, our, our uh, jukebox czar, one of our bartenders, the jukebox czar, this kid, the, the, the kids with the hats turn backwards don't do not like our music. And um, that's so true. that's good. That, that's kind of... Uh, well, it's good for me because every time I go in, I want to feed the jukebox. I don't have to wait for 20 s- songs to go by before I hear mine. <laughs> they usually just come well, right on. that's what we have a big fight with our jukebox guy, Jukebox Joe, because he wants one of those modern 
mm-hmm. computer ones. In? No, no, we have to have the old fashioned where we have total control. Yeah, don't you ever put one of those in? Uh, well, please. the problem is parts. You know that, that those old. Ones. It is the problem. Yeah, let's, we're having that problem at Patty Longs. Yeah, but it's 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 really, uh, yeah, that, and it's very important. The music uh, we always keep a little classical. And one, one, I, I, the original uh, Ale House, th- there was a great uh, bartender named Lowell, Lowell Williams, a young guy, very handsome guy. And uh, I, w- I remember for some reason I was off to, off to the golf course, but it was raining. This is back in the early 60s. And it was raining, so I, I just said, ah, what the hell, go over to the Ale House and have a beer. Well, a bunch of construction guys in hard hats came in and um, – because of the rain. So they're all, there's about six, seven of them. They take a table. They're all screaming and yelling and, and uh, racial, you know, atrocity. And we're around. I mean, really asshole guys. So Lowell just smiled primly. And he says, watch, just watch. He puts opera, he puts La Boheme on the, on the record player. Mm-hmm. Within minutes, they start squirming mm-hmm. and, and just wriggling around in their chairs and just the facial expressions are just and um, within 10 minutes they all get oh i hate this place and they just got up <laughs> and that was a huge lesson to me i mean that that works so <laughs> opera is a douchebag repellent oh, <laughs> it's kryptonite oh interesting make yeah. note of that yes you might want to. that's a good tip yeah um so out of all of them, you know, I'm going to ask the classic celebrity question. You get a lot of celebrities in there. Who's your favorite? Well, of all the Second City people, I, 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 Gilda Radner was, was my favorite. Oh, yeah. She was just great. And she was nice and funny. She was hilarious. And uh, There's a new biopic about her out. I I, it her. looks awful, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But no, she, she, she really, I, I, I really liked her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I knew David Steinberg pretty good. Um, we used to play football on. He was actually a pretty good football. Well, little guy, fast. Um, we go over the park and play Dutch football stuff. Um, I never got real chummy with uh, the the old timers. I mean, I knew them. Don't mm-hmm. say hello to them all. And uh, and, uh, and it's funny though. I was told by. Beatrice, when she got the bar, sometimes I'd be a little, little sarcastic, overly sarcastic, perhaps. To some of the big, I won't even mention their names because a couple of them still come in once in a while. And they go out and why? Hey, he, you know, he's really, that guy down there is really an asshole. You know, I thought, <laughs> Jesus Christ, these are professional comics. You can't come back with something. You're going to just <laughs> whine to the owner that somebody said something. God, I couldn't believe that. A lot of comics are are uh, pretty dour off stage, aren't they? Well, Blue John Belushi, Jim Belushi was just a total little asshole. I've I've, <laughs> I've said this on other podcasts, and, and I, I kicked his ass in there one night. And he never came. Oh, back. Yeah. Oh, I, beautiful job on him. Beautiful. I met him once. He came into Corcoran's and was handing out um, chocolates from uh, the fudge pot to oh, all the ladies. How nice of him! Yes. yes. Yeah, well, he was just a, a talentless asshole. But his brother was, of course, uh, terrific. But right. his brother would come in, and he would sit by the jukebox with that real door look on his, you know. I, I think I've seen him in nails maybe a hundred times, never saw him laugh once. And he would look real like nobody knew who he was. And then conduct his, obviously, his drug deals, with, you know, whisper, whisper, with some guy get up and go out and stuff. Um, yeah, his personality was really quite odd. I, John um, or Chris Farley was in there. It was he was kind of trying to imitate John Belushi, but he was totally on guy. He was always he was clowning yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. He came in a lot, but he was in the night he died. He left the L house and went no kidding over to uh, yeah to uh, the Hancock building and boom yeah. But uh, yeah, he was. I waited on him once. He was very nice. Very nice. Oh, very, was, no, very nice yeah. guy. Very Drink. nice guy, yeah. Remember, I liked him. He, he was drinking double uh, screwdrivers. Yeah, he did that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so because I know you don't give a fuck, who's the worst celebrity? Well, I mean, I, I would... Jim Belushi. I would say definitely. I mean, I, I, it was packed in there, and um, I knew he was going to take a swing at me. I'd been provoking him. And... Uh, <laughs> 
So I, I grabbed his hair and tucked him in, you know, real tight, because I knew they'd break it up in a second. So I just tucked him in right by my, and so I just kept hitting with my right knee. And then there's a guy who barked. Because he's, I mean, he's not like a tall guy, but he's a stocky guy. He's stocky, but yeah. yeah. Well, he doesn't, he, 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 he can't, I'll tell you what, he's not a good puncher because he missed when he tried to hit me. So to this guy, Jim Lumber, great big guy, because they couldn't break the fight up. We were right by the corner window by the where I kind of sit now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he, Jim managed to lift both of us up. And he was a great big guy. He played football at Miami University and kind of carried the slide, slid us out the door and out the side where they could pull us apart. <laughs> so um, he was an asshole. Um, I don't think anybody just, nobody stands out. Because when Jim Belushi just got well, out you, of you, college. You, you didn't get in fisticuffs with any other celebrities? Not. No, that's the only one. Yeah, I think so. Bruce is Wiley. I, I, not that long ago. I mean, and I, you know, you don't have to reveal your age, Bruce. But you're, oh, you I'm know, 78. 78 years no, old. No, I've been saying that since I was 42. <laughs> uh, I finally grown into my IDs. <laughs> but uh, I remember not that long ago. I mean, I Patty Longs was open. I think uh, you. Uh, caught a guy and this is every bar owner's dream oh in the bathroom yes you because yeah. you know for people that don't know people uh, uh the human race seems to lose their minds in bar bathrooms and yeah. um yeah, they they, they take it out on uh, paper dispensers and sinks, sinks toilets. and toilets and certain in the back of the toilets they certainly they, they like to smash those and you walked in on one of well, these idiots. I, I was I was stalking this guy because somebody was in there doing stuff. I knew that. Yeah. And I finally there was this young kid, kind of young, good looking kid with some other young people, a real drunk, real so I was kinda I was just kind of, you know, suspicious. That guy was narrowing it down. That was the guy going in and doing stuff. So I went in there and I waited about a minute, walk in. He's trying to rip the um uh, towel dispenser off the wall. Oh, it's your dream to catch it. Now, here's, <laughs> it is. I made a big mistake. The mistake was we had these, we kind of, um, this very coarse walls put in to keep up graffiti off. Uh -huh, and, yeah, and, yeah. and had I been thinking, I would have taken his face and rubbed it up and down on that on the wall. <laughs> the stucco wall. But yeah. but I, 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 he was a pretty boy. So that would have been really, you know, probably very effective. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, the kid's way younger than me. I was, uh, but I started smacking, and um, so my ex-wife tells the bartender, "No, you got to tell Bruce." So the kid's that he's in the field position on the floor. And I'm just stopping him now, and so they pull me <laughs> off the kid. We go outside, and uh, so I'm begging the kid, "Just take a swing at me." I you know, I'm pleading with you, and uh, he just, I couldn't entice him into uh, doing it. I mean, I would just, I mean, you live for that. That is, I mean, I, I that's like one of those little scenarios I dream about. You yeah. know, like it calms catch me down them. dreaming to, about catching to catch one them. of those fuckers. Especially when you catch one, yeah. yeah. They shit in your sink there. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, was, or no, that wasn't it. It was, uh, you mean leaving a top drawer? I think they call. I don't it. think yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. give people well, ideas because they they're not really imaginative. But, <laughs> no, uh, we don't. Yep. Okay. Don't. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair I enough. I think you probably. No. I we had a woman uh, destroy our sink at Patty Long's peeing in it. Uh, by, yeah. by just by just urine. No, she smashed. She sat down on top. Oh. Of it. Two of them went in at once. It's a single. Oh. Two went in at once, and I guess she just couldn't hold it, and she. Sat down on the sink and it <laughs> collapsed. Now that one I kind of laughed about. Well, I too bad you don't have a video of that one. I, I, I don't think they allow cameras in the bathroom. No, but so. you could have run in when you heard the noise. Yeah, you know. we, we don't have the Chuck Berry camera system. Yeah, he. Well, that can you imagine what you're seeing on those videos. Oh, I don't want to know. I don't think about it. Chuck was a freak, huh? I'm kind of, I think clearly. Yeah, I tell you a funny Chuck Berry story. Uh, Ron Majors, the old uh, guy that used to do the news. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. On, uh, first on NBC and then ABC. I knew him pretty well out in Cal when I was out in California. And he used to have, he did the news. He was uh, the anchor man there, but he did the news. Uh, he did a, a kind of a, variety show on weekends 
and Chuck Berry, he'd have various people come and perform. Well, Chuck Berry shows up and for the show, but he's got nobody to accompany him. He says, well, what? he says, don't worry. Just ask the audience. They'll have four or five musicians. He wouldn't pay for backup. And so yeah. some guy from the uh, Grateful Dead was out there to see it. You know, so yeah, he, yeah. he right. assembled with all they do, just like, you know, bam, there's, yeah. there's your company. Yeah, he did that for you. He would drive around in his Cadillac. to. He'd drive up to a gig. He wouldn't play until he was he paid. Cash. Yeah, you yeah, had cash. to have cash to, to get him to play, and you had to s- supply the band. <laughs> and that was his deal forever. Um, you know, well, Got him where he, where he went, I guess. Did well. Yeah, yeah. The Science. cameras in the women's toilet, though, I think, you know. That was a little that's much. Cro- that's crossing a line. Yeah, I was in high school when that happened. I was down in St. Louis, and mm-hmm. so was his, you know, that's where he lived. Yeah. And uh, it was quite what, the scandal. Did you ever go in his bar? No, it was in Wentzville. I wasn't old enough. Oh. Um, and then he, uh, he performed a lot at a place called um, uh, Blueberry Hill. It was, uh, and, and, you know, those were epic shows. He would perform in the basement for like, you know, a hundred people. Wow. Yeah. It's killer. Um, but I do remember when that came out, I remember Keith Richards was quoted in the paper going, well, you know, everybody's got, you know, uh, well, he a, did a, a certain <laughs> thing, you know, it's no big deal. Like, he did a documentary, like, no, big, uh, he did a documentary of, uh, of him, Chuck Berry. Yeah, yeah, the Hail Hail Rock and Roll. And I think he wasn't really very. Oh. He didn't say anything really. Chuck's yelling at him the whole whole movie. Yeah, it's he, great. He was yeah. very abusive. <laughs> yes, very abusive towards Keith Richards. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was a legendary asshole. Uh, so I think we've uh, we've run the gamut here. And uh, um, what, what's going on with the at Old Town? Anything happening? Is there a a, a talent show coming up? Oh, there, there's a very strong likelihood on the Sunday before the Super Bowl that we will resume oh my word. our talent shows because we did for years. And uh, we've had some uh, – Hannibal Burris, who's now very successful, oh, yeah. he – I, I, I don't know if he gives us full credit for his career, but I like to take it. <laughs> I think he got his start at the Old Town Elhouse Talent did, Show. Our talent yeah. show. Yeah. And uh, we've had uh, some amazing talent. Uh, it's a, a very, my daughter was was very much into it. And then when she kind of got bored, we kind of dropped the talent show. But uh, Pub Crawl Liz, who you know, and so your listeners would probably be She has been on this. the uh, podcast she twice. She claims that she will take over the reins. So we'll see what she can do. Well, I will, you know, unfortunately, I'm I'm in New Orleans that weekend. I'm doing a, uh, for any New Orleans listeners, we'll be making bacon bombs at the Mid-City uh, Yacht Club. The uh, annual switcheroo. Yeah, right? it's going to yep. be the weekend before the Super Bowl. Um, but uh, otherwise, I would be there and maybe I would perform something. Oh, we'd love to see a yeah. talent you could. Yeah, I uh, you know I did see that uh, calendar. I now have a copy of the. Oh uh, yeah, maybe maybe you and Irish Chris could do a uh, soft shoe. We could do who's on first. That would be yeah, very appropriate. Yeah, it'd be nice. <laughs> Speaking of Chris, where, where is he? Isn't this a work day? Uh, he's, he's not here today. What's going on? I'm sure he's doing research. I'm, I'm sure he is. He's probably at the library right now. <laughs> <laughs> or church, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one of the two. <laughs> Bruce was the one he got here. He's like, oh, where's Chris? I'm like, oh, you tell me. I don't know. It's probably at your bar. <laughs> uh, and the other Bruce, who's been very quiet this, this yeah, podcast. Yeah, I just I'm wanted sorry. to let, no, no, no. Well, I the, just the kinda... shock of being engaged, I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's um, there, that's finally, a red flag right you, there. You, I mean, you, when it sinks in, it, what you you know, it's like when you're just about to go to prison. <laughs> and, uh, you kind of, uh, <laughs> Do you have any it's, tips for me? Or well, I think my, I, I, we were talking about Michael Rico earlier, and uh, I would say his suggestion of you go spend about a week in um, Cook County Divorce Court watching and just see if you really want to. <laughs> Take that plunge. <laughs> see how see how they end before you begin. And then consider maybe go to a couple of gay bars and think, of, hey, maybe there's an alternative here. <laughs> you know, do your research. <laughs> there, there are alternatives, I guess. Yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. uh, getting married. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Mike, Mike Royko was a regular at uh, Old Town Ale House. Well, he, he was after two in the morning. Yes, he, yeah. he, he was the early 
guy. <laughs> he usually made the rounds by what they called the Viagra Triangle, which was the Billy Goat or Ricardo's were over by the yep. newspapers. And then they'd go to O'Rourke's, which uh, Ebert kind of made that place a journal, journalistic hangout. And then the remaining journalists that could restore their feet would uh, head down to the alehouse and finish off their night. Yeah, he was a regular at, uh, before it was Patty Long's, it was called Lowry's. So he was there as Boy, well he, quite often, and he got around. He was a... Yeah, he got around. Yeah, he liked... Um, but he, he, very bad drunk. I mean, he was not Mr. Warmth and Sunshine when he was drinking, which was almost every day. He wasn't really Warmth and Sunshine when he was sober. No. No? Yeah. Not really. Yeah, it could just carried on. Yeah, um, but. very talented guy. Certainly the greatest journalist uh, of my lifetime. Yeah, yeah, great but journalist. I'm, I'm no question. Yeah, there's a picture of him at Patty Long's, sitting at the bar, uh, hanging up in Patty Long's. So, uh, but I, I was always told he was banned from Old Town no, after. No, 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 that's a lie. No, no, and we, no. We're debunking. That. You had to do quite a bit. <laughs> you really do. That's the other thing I love yeah. about Old Town Ellis. There's levels of discipline. You know, like I, you know, growing up in the bar business, I was always just taught, you know, well, you know, they're either allowed in or they're banned. But at the old town ale house, there used to be guys who were just banned from drinking shots. Oh yeah, we have the no shot list. We have the no shot <laughs> list, and who I I got to know all of them. Well, because they go over to Patty Long's to drink shots. Yeah, <laughs> or, or no, over the over to Corcoran's. Yeah. The Corcoran's. I mean, that's how I got to know John Fox. It, it was, <laughs> yeah, God. They're talking about the Hall of Famer. He was a Hall of Famer. He would also, I love the story of him keeping a bottle of tequila in his mailbox. Because he didn't like to go up the three stairs, the three flights. So when he wanted to do his shot, he'd go and just have it in his mailbox. He lived lived about three buildings down from... uh, from the alehouse, so yeah, I mean, he could just beer kind of bored the hell out of him, but that's what he was stuck with. But he would, go, and then he'd bitch because the mail lady was, you know, tapping into his bottle. <laughs> well, she she probably thought it was, you a know, tip. a, a I, tip. Yeah I, yeah, I don't blame her. Yeah, I always got along with John. I did have to ban his wife. Or what? Maybe girlfriend, no, whatever girlfriend. she was. Oh, yeah, no, fatal attraction. Yes. Yeah. Oh, she would. Oh, God. She yeah. was terrible. Oh, she was beyond terrible. Yeah. I yeah. think she's been sober now for a while, though. Oh well. <clears throat> yeah, she was the first time I ever met her. She punched me in the jaw. I mean, that, <laughs> when she was she going with Jerry Rinelli at the time. Oh, she was really awful. <laughs> she was so awful. Oh, this is good. Bruce, uh, the other Bruce, what's going on with the tours? I, we had a couple good ones in the yeah, uh, yeah. really big one last week. Yeah, yeah, the holidays, you know, people celebrating. Uh, you know, kind of go to a reduced schedule, so we're just doing loop tours in January and February. But um, we'll be back coming up in March. Which, Excellent. You know, yeah. All right. How about you? Uh, we're gearing up for the Six Nations rugby tournament ah. over at Patty Long's. All of you rugby fanatics uh, will have every game. And um, Ireland is looking looking very good, number two in the world right now. So uh, we're very excited. Uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I'm plugging. Yeah. Rugby. Um, Bruce, thank you so yeah. much for coming oh, today. Hey. And, and Bruce, do you want to plug your podcast? Um, yeah, let's well? let's plug yeah. all of your various yeah, things. Yeah. Well, as the alehouse turns, um, is the name of uh, just the Google, podcast. Yeah, just Google as the alehouse turns. Yep. And the genius pops up, bang. And I have a blog uh, called The Geriatric Genius. Uh, I've written fantastic books. The Yellow House is a fantastic bar. You really, um, you will really enjoy your coming in and see it. It's like walking into the Louvre, you know, kind of a, <laughs> like a very <laughs> drunken Louvre. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, if you do go in there, I recommend getting the When Men Were Men t-shirt. I have one. And uh, uh, my yeah, my kids, my, my eight-year-old's always going, why is that baby holding a martini? And smoking <laughs> a cigarette. Smoking a cigarette. Because that baby is Reuben. <laughs> you know, baby Reuben. Baby Reuben. That's what he did when he was that's a baby. Very inspirational for the small children. <laughs> Wearing a leisure for suit. For toddlers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Happy New Year to everyone. And uh, thanks again, Bruce. And thanks again to the other Bruce. And uh, we will see you all next time on Beer Opinions. Mm-hmm.